Hello and welcome. That's right. Show's called In the House. Every Saturday morning, answer your home improvement questions. My name is Jared Mellick. I own a business. It's called Universal Roof and Contracting. Uh, throughout the week, we help people primarily with their roofing, siding, and window needs, and then come in and answer your home improvement questions. Uh, the numbers to dial here: three four zero one zero four five. Again, three four zero. 1045 would love for you to join me today uh by answering by asking uh your uh home improvement questions all right so uh last week uh, uh we ended up we were uh, live from the um uh, uh Jacksonville Home and Patio show had some technical difficulties uh not having those tech technical difficulties uh today so that's awesome uh, but uh would love for you to be a part of the show uh sad that you missed uh last week's uh show it was uh it was actually really good uh we um ended up uh giving away a uh a roof uh, uh to uh we had a contest uh, uh over the last couple months uh, leading up to the Jacksonville Home and Patio show and uh we actually gave a um a great family a, a roof and uh, we'll be meeting with them in the next couple weeks and uh hopefully uh getting that done here within the next uh, couple months so uh, that was uh, that was good and sorry you guys didn't get to hear uh, last week's show as uh uh, as as I said, we were having some tef technical difficulties, couldn't get uh, the signal right uh, at the Jacksonville Home and Patio Show. But we are live today and uh, would love to uh, chat with you about all things home improvement. If you have a leak somewhere and you want to know how to stop it, uh, maybe you're thinking about uh, replacing your floors and you want to know, should I go over the top or should I um, uh, remove what is there? And what's the difference between engineered wood and laminate? Uh, and um, uh, or uh, maybe you're one of the you know tens of thousands of people that had uh, damage from uh, Hurricane Irma, and you have a question about how to put that all back together. Uh, you can give me a call. Uh, maybe uh, you are thinking about doing a remodel or an addition, and you want to know what type pays off. Uh, you can call with that. Really, anything having to do with home improvement. Uh, I. In my business, I have a tendency to focus on roofing, siding, and windows, uh, but I am a general contractor and have done uh, remodeling and uh, and uh, home building uh, for most of my life, and so most of those home improvement questions I can answer. The numbers here are 340-1045. Again, 340-1045. Uh, if you're shy and don't like the sound of your voice on the radio, you could uh, also uh, email me a question uh, I'll actually read that live on the air and then answer it as well. You can do that to questions at universalroofjacks.com. Again, questions at universalroofjacks.com. Uh, uh, that's where we're going to start off this morning uh, is uh, with an, a question that was uh, that was emailed to me. Hey, Jared, thank you for answering my email. Uh, I recently uh, had damage in Hurricane Irma to my roof. My insurance company is saying that the roof needs to be repaired, and my contractor is saying that the roof needs to be replaced. Who is right? Um, well, I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't know who is right. Um, it's really tough to tell. Uh, I would have a tendency to probably believe 
the contractor uh, over the insurance, uh, not because I think that one or the other is being more truthful or less truthful. Uh, it's just that we're going to look at it different ways. And if we look at who's an expert in what, um, uh, in general, roofing contractors are experts in roofing repair and replacement, uh, and insurance adjusters are experts in what do policies cover, right? I mean, those are two different skills. Um, and, you know, I pride myself in knowing uh, storm damage, um, uh, and I'm sure that there are many adjusters who pride themselves in knowing roofing. Uh, but in general, the, the roofing expert will be a roofing expert and the uh, adjuster would be a policy expert, right? Uh, that's what their primary function is. So there are, uh, I don't know how to tell whether something is repairable without actually looking at it. This is the process that we go through, though, uh, is that when we come out to take a look at it, you look at, one, the condition of the existing material and whether or not you can separate one uh, section of the material from another without damaging the material that it's connected to. And so uh, there are many times where there is one or two missing shingles and uh, that roof can be repaired. Uh, and there's many times where there's one or two missing shingles and the roof is uh, damaged to a point where it needs to be replaced. And now there's a number of factors that would cause it to have to be replaced. One is, is the brittleness. Let's say that it's so brittle that you can't separate it. Uh, then you would have to take it to what's called a termination point. A termination point is a bottom edge, a side edge, and a top edge. And so there's many times where if you have to replace one slope, there's a rule here that says, uh, which is called the 25% rule, that says that if you repair or replace 25% or more of a roof or roof section in any 12-month period, the entire roof or roof section must be brought up to the existing code. So there's many times where if you replace one section of, of the roof, that the entire roof has to be replaced as a result uh, just because of the building code requirements. Uh, so that would be one reason why the roof would have to be replaced. Another is, is let's say that that material is no longer made, uh, that whether it's that color or that shape of material or size of material, many times uh, you can't match it and so therefore it, you can't waterproof it correctly. Uh, and so uh, so that would be another reason. And there's many times where there's significant damage uh, through to the roof, more than one or two shingles, and the roof is repairable and it can be fixed. I don't know how to differentiate between those two without physically looking at it. So if you wanted us to come look at it and give you a, a you know an, another opinion, I'm more than happy to. Uh, our office at Universal Roof and Contracting is four nine five zero nine four eight. Again, four nine five zero nine four eight. The you know I don't really know without looking at it which one it, which one is right, whether it's the insurance company or whether it's the roofing contractor. As I said, I have a tendency to to believe the roofing contractor who's has a who's going to be the one that actually does the repairs. In other words, an adjuster says, yeah, it's repairable, but he's not the one that's going to come in and actually fix it. It's the the it's the roofer that's going to come in and fix it. And so I w if the roofer's saying that he can't repair it, I would have a tendency to, to believe that. Uh, but if you want a third opinion, uh, just call us, Universal Roof and Contracting, 495-0948. All right, thanks for that email question.
If you want to email me one, you can do that, questions at universalroofjacks.com. Uh, if you want to call with your home improvement questions, the number's here, uh, 340-1045. Again, 340-1045. All right, let's go to Patrick. Uh, Patrick, you're in the house. How can I help you? Uh, yes, um, we are remodeling our kitchen, and um, I'm going to be, uh, they're going to be removing one of my windows, and I have, it's an all brick home, so I have, you know, some original brick that we're going to put, that'll be bricked uh, up there. But when you, you know, put the, the, the wood in there, the, the studs and, and, and insulation, you can't have that insulation touch the brick, right? You're supposed to, uh, what are you supposed to do there? You're talking about the the window itself, or the I don't understand the insulation. Can you explain well, so, what you're? Well, so it's it's an outside wall, right? So we're uh -huh. moving the window, and I'm going to put brick where that hole is going to be, where the window is. Oh, I understand. So you're removing a window completely. You're going to close that opening in with new brick. Correct. Okay. All Correct. right. Now I understand. Sorry. So so yeah, and it, I assume it's a wood frame home, correct? Correct. Okay. So, yeah, so the, what you're going to look at uh, with that is that it's not just filling in the brick. You you first have to fill in the the wood framing um, uh, in that section, and that has to tie uh, to the existing wood framing that is there. So sometimes you can, uh, you can do that from inside, um, and then sometimes you have to do it from outside. If you do it from outside, you may have to remove some of the sections, chip out some of the sections of the existing brick so that you can tie that in together because what you're going to have to do is you have to frame that opening where the wood framing is you know attached all the way around you need some cross members in a sheet of plywood needs to go there then on the outside of that sheet of plywood you need a secondary water barrier and it's very important that you get that secondary water barrier overlapped with the existing secondary water barrier. What happens is is that brick is not completely waterproof by itself. Some of that brick, there's actually behind that brick, there's gonna be a drainage plane, meaning that when the water gets behind the brick, that there will be a, um, uh, as the water comes through, that there will, uh, as that water runs down, that water has to be able to have an area to to run against and then it has to have an area for that water to get out. So at the bottom of the wall there's going to be some weep areas where that water can get out. Well, the secondary water barrier on top of the plywood has to all be uh, grouped together. There's what's called shingling, which means that the lower layer goes down first, the upper layer goes over the top of it. So what has to happen is, is that that secondary water barrier from that area that you're filling in, the top part of it has to be tucked in behind that old felt or underlayment system, and the bottom part of that area that you're filling in has to go over the the top of the secondary water barrier behind the brick. So in order to do that, you have to remove some of that surrounding brick around there in order for the water to actually be uh, to to go over correctly. And then obviously you have to before you do any of this, you have to make sure that you have matching brick. Uh, do you have some matching brick? I, I do. Okay, great. That's awesome. So you want to make sure that you have enough to not only fill in the opening, but to also make sure that you're tying those two pieces together. So are you doing this yourself, or is there a contractor no, doing it? I I am not doing it myself. Is, is that something that your company does? We do not. Um, uh, we No, we do not. Um, uh, we, we focus on roofing 
you know, siding and windows. Uh, we do window replacement, um, uh, and we do siding replacement. We do this is you know this brick repair we do not. But just make sure that you're asking the questions of not only the brick, but what's called the secondary water barrier. Just make sure that when you have conversations with the contractor, that you're focused on you know where the water is going to go. So. Good luck with that, Patrick. That music means i got to take a break. Um, when we get back, Mike has a question. Line open for you, 340-1045. Welcome back in the house. Your home improvement questions are answered right here, right now. Hi, I'm Jared Mellick, Universal Roof and Contracting. Give us a call today to answer your home improvement questions, 340-1045. Again, 340-1045. can also email me a question to questions at universalroofjacks.com. I want to take a moment to talk to you about Renewal by Anderson. Renewal by Anderson is the window replacement division of Anderson Corporation. And they help you with your all your window and door replacement needs. They don't do new construction. They don't do siding. They don't do roofing. They don't do anything else other than windows and doors. And they do it well. And it's all about window and door replacement. No new construction, just window and door replacement. And it's Renewal by Anderson. They have a special for our In the House Show listeners. It's 20% off the entire order. If you're thinking about replacing your windows and doors, if yours are old and dry, and you have single pane or you have wood windows that are rotting or you have those vinyl windows that are twisting or aluminum windows that are, aren't efficient, they make windows out of material called Fibrex, and it's, uh, in, uh, which was invented by Anderson. Uh, and they're the window replacement division of Anderson Corporation. Their special for our in-the-house show listeners is 20% off the entire order. You've got to be the first seven callers uh, in order to take advantage of it. Their phone number, 222-8064. Again, 222-8064. That's the number you have to dial in order to take advantage of the 20% off. Again, it's 222-8064, renewalbyanderson.com. All right, let's uh, go to the phones. Let's talk to Steve uh, on line one. Uh, Steve on the west side, you're in the house. How can I help you? Hey, uh, I've got uh, roof damage from the hurricane, and I had a roofer come out to give me an assessment for replacing the shingles. Mm -hmm. And they're saying now that I've got to have off-ridge vents or vents uh, cut into the ridge, even though I've got big gable-end vents. Is that a new requirement for the new code? Well, there no. I mean, there is a code requirement that says you have to have a certain amount of ventilation. So, with your gable vents, do they uh, are they um, uh, is there a fan on them, or is it just two holes? It's uh, two big holes. They're about uh, thirty-six inches square. Okay. So what you would have to do is do a calculation to, to determine whether or not those gable vents are sufficient uh, from a, the code requirement to, to be enough ventilation. So um, basically for every – the way that the ventilation requirements work is that for every 150 square foot of attic floor space, you need one foot net free ventilating area. And so okay. what, what you would do is calculate the amount of soffit vents – the amount of gable vents uh, compared well, to no the... Well, I've got no soffit vents. It's an uh, old just house gable. Uh, back in the late 50s. 
Okay, so just Gable. So here's what I would do in that scenario is, is, is so yeah, so in that case you would just measure the Gable vents, and, in, and there are many times where the Gable vents do not meet the minimum code requirement. But mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't add off-ridge vents at all. Like, off-ridge vents are useless because you'd have to close in your Gable vents, and then you don't have soffits. So off-ridge vents... Thinking. Yeah, off-ridge vents wouldn't be the solution there. If anything, if you don't have enough ventilation, then what you would need to do is install a solar-powered um, gable-mounted attic fan or an mm -hmm. electrical gable-mounted uh, power fan so that that way the fan pulled from one side of the gable to the other. So if you don't have enough ventilation through uh, through just the openings of the gable vent. And either so way, I would... be a powered fan. A powered fan, exactly. So they okay. do make gable-mounted ones that are solar, which mm -hmm. then I like those because then you're, you're not using energy to try to save energy. But, right. But they are they are halfway right. They're they're most likely right that you do need more ventilation. But doing the all right, and then they also said about that uh, all the boards had to be re-nailed yes. with ring shank nails. That is accurate. Yep, now, what the roofing is, is five-quarter, uh, one-by-six, mm -hmm. uh, solid heart pine. You yep. can't drive a nail through that stuff. You have to <laughs> drill a hole to drive a nail. Well, usually you can drive a nail through it, but, um, but I agree that it's hard wood. But there is a code requirement that says that you have to use a certain size nail. And so if it doesn't currently have that s certain size or that certain amount of nails, then it is accurate that it does need to be re-nailed. Oh, okay, because the guy was telling me that uh, it's required to have to go through and double nail each board up there into the tr uh, into the uh, rafters. Yeah, and it's and and the I'm reason like, why... These are uh, either eight or ten penny nails that's, dropped, that's uh, in there when the house was built. Yeah, well, I... Uh, I'll finish this discussion after the break. So hold on one second. That music means i got to take a break. This is In the House. We'll be right back. Now, In the House with Jared on News 104.5 WOKV. Hey, hey, welcome back. That's right. In the House, your home improvement questions are answered here. All you have to do is give us a call. Numbers 340-1045. Again, 340-1045. Get a chance to check out my website, universalroofjacks.com. All right, before the break, we were talking to Steve on the west side. He uh, had some questions about ventilation and renailing uh, in regards to his roof replacement. So are, are you uh, still here, Steve? Yes, sir. Okay. Sorry about that. We had to we had to take a, a hard break. And so okay, so we were talking about renailing. Now the the in general what we find most of the time is most houses the roofs are not nailed correctly. And so because or according to the current codes, just because the codes you know, always continue to get better. And so you have board decking, so you have one by six and is that is that correct? Yeah, they're full five-quarter, they're a full one-inch board, and they're all heart lumber. Right. So The whole house is heart lumber. Okay. So the way that the existing building code reads for re-roofing for re when you're replacing an existing roof is that if the existing um, fasteners or nails for board decking are 8D or greater, and there's two of them 
per board per truss, then theoretically you would not have to re-nail it. So, but okay. what you would have to do is pull out that nail. One, it, the entire roof would have to meet it. So every single truss, every single board would have to have a minimum of two. And they would all have to be 8D. And so... Or better. Or, or better, that's correct, 8D or better. And then there's also, there's requirements about the type of nail that it is. Um, it could be clipped head, round head, smooth, or ring, sh ring shank. Um, mm -hmm. if, if it's 8D or greater, then you would not have to re-nail it. If it is less than 8D, then you would. Okay. And uh, now what's up there is fiberglass shingles, but I'm thinking about going back with architectural. Yep. Say that's a better shingle. Uh, do y'all give free estimates? We do. Yeah, yeah, we definitely do. If you call my office, uh, which is 495-0948. Uh, um, uh, 0948? Yes, sir. Yep. Okay. Uh, Four nine five zero nine four eight. Then one I'm of my. Still waiting on the insurance adjuster to come out to see how I, the, the insurance is going to allow me on the roof and then go from there. Well, if you let if you let my office know when the adjuster's coming, we would prefer to meet them. Uh, they're supposed mm -hmm. to do the same thing whether we're there or not. But I I can tell you time after time where it's different talking to us than it is just talking to a homeowner and. Unfortunately, or fortunately, they have a tendency to do better when we're there. So yes, sir. So, uh, if you let my office know when the adjuster's coming, we wouldn't mind meeting them. So. All righty. I All right. appreciate that. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate your call. Uh, thank you. Thanks. If you want to take his line, three four zero one zero four five. Again, three four zero one zero four five. Most of the time, what you're going to find in the on the renailing issue is that because you don't know until you get into it, and how do you price it that way? So what we always do is we just we just plan on renailing every single one because the odds of it being right are are just so unlikely. Most of the time, uh, it is under nailed, and more nails are better when it comes to the installation of the of the decking. So, uh, thanks, Steve, for that uh, for that question. All right, let's go to Mike uh, in the Bay Meadows area. Mike, you're in the house. How can I help you? Oh, lost Mike. Sorry about that, Mike. I had you were there waiting a long time, so I apologize about that. If you want to call back with your question, go ahead. Uh, if you want to take uh, Mike's line uh, as well, three four zero one zero four five again three four zero one zero four five. Let's go to Stephanie and uh, Stephanie. You're in the house. How can I help you? Hello. We just bought a new house about four months ago, and we have a drainage issue. We live at the bottom of a hill on a an unpaved road with about eight houses on it. Mm -hmm. And every time we get one of the heavy rains, we get a river in the driveway. It's away from the house. I don't see any damage in the house. But it's just not right, and we're not comfortable with the river that we get. It just drains into the woods and doesn't seem to have an issue. But uh, we were wondering what we could do. I don't think a French drain would work. It's just too much water. So the, is it a concrete driveway, or what type of driveway is it? It is a concrete driveway. Okay. So um, then where do, does the water collect? Anywhere near the home or anything? It doesn't collect. My neighbor gets a lake in his driveway, a pretty good one, but we don't have any standing water at our house. Okay. And then so where's the water coming from that ends up going on your driveway? Up the street. Okay. And it's, is it coming down the street and then onto your driveway? Is that what's happening? Yes, it is. The rest of the street is uphill from us. 
Okay. So one of the things that uh, that I would look at is that, you know, and is it in the right-of-way area that is owned by the, the city or, or county, or is it within, uh, or is it in the area of, you know, your portion of the driveway? It's in my portion of the driveway, but the rain starts up the street, which is a private road. Right. Okay, so so what I would do is I would call, you know, I would call the municipality that you're in. If you're in the city of Jacks, I would call city of Jacks. If you're, you know, wh whatever municipality that you're in and express your concern. There's a there's a lot of times where, you know, there's culverts that can be installed or there's you can re redrain something in a way that stops the water from coming from the street into your into your space. I'm not concerned about regular rains, you know, if a regular rains it, it comes in and and you know, then that's not a big deal but when it happens when we get you know our big gully washers and we get a lot of water that happened let's say with Irma the last thing I want to do is for that you know the whole neighborhood worth of water to back up onto your area so in general once it goes from the private property to the the city or the county owned property it should stay in the city and county owned area until it goes to the dr whatever drainage area is that in sewer or is that in a, uh, a retention pond that the city owns so the, you do not necessarily want the the city or municipality's water to come back onto your property and if that is happening then i would address that with whatever municipality you live in and i would address it sooner rather than later now th this occurred to one of my buildings that i own so one of my buildings that i own uh... the 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 uh, county came through and actually put a road in and when they did that I, g I got more standing water in an area of my home because it wasn't draining to the retention pond that they had put in I called the, the county I addressed it with them they came in and fixed it so that that way the water was going where it's supposed to so I would uh, I would probably um, you know go ahead and address that with whatever municipality you're in well I'm at a dead end on a dead end and our road is not city property. The only thing the city did when I called them is at the head of the street, they put in a huge bump that we have to drive over so that the road stayed on, so the water stayed on the concrete instead of the first two houses. But my problem is on the private road behind me. It's nothing but woods and woods. There is no retention pond. We are in the woods. There's nothing around. And it's not a, it's not a publicly owned street? No, it's a private street. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, then that's a different discussion. So then the dis yeah. So then the discussion is within the 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 members of the privately owned street is where the discussion would be at that point. Um, and so then where does it where is it designed to drain to? Like that street. I don't street. think there. I don't think there is a design. There are no gutters. It's just a gravel road, and the, the beginning of the road is higher than where I, I live at the end of the cul-de-sac. I see. Yeah, I mean it's 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 the only thing that you can do is talk to the um the uh the other members who own the private road cuz you're one of the members that owns the private road, right? I guess so having just moved in I don't really understand all of that, yeah. but I know that when we need more potholes filled, we all pitch in for gravel. Yeah. But yeah. beyond that, the drainage is not really their fault and we are yeah. within the city. Yeah. But I just, I mean, they only run, I think they only control an easement off right. the main road. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, so it, theoretically, it would be those you group of owners who would uh, who would own that or be responsible for the upkeep. So you would have to convince everybody to look at the drainage of that individual private road. And who would we call? Whoever the um, oh to fix it to make sure that it's draining properly. 
right. Uh, um, it would be a civil engineer is who would typically design that to, or look at it to make sure that it's designed properly. So I would probably contact the original builder and express concerns. Uh, how old is your home? Our home was 86, but we have people okay. here that have been here 40 and 45 years. Yeah. Yeah, civil engineer is the one that would take a look at to see if it's draining properly. Have you, is it, any concerns at this point? How did you do in Irma? And how did you do in Matthew? Uh, I wasn't here during the storm. I mean, I didn't see any major damage to it, and it's evidently been doing that for years. Yeah. Uh, but we even get those gully washers in Fort Caroline that just, it, it ends up being about a six foot wide river. Yeah. And it it has quite a current to it. Yeah. So I, um, I think you're out of luck. I mean, <laughs> if our listeners have some some information, I, I've gone through everything that I that I can think of. But a civil engineer is is who would look at the the drainage and see if uh, see if it can be re-engineered. But if it's not if it's not necessarily a problem, it wouldn't be an easy way. There's no easy way to fix it. I mean, it would be re you know you know re-site planning that entire that entire space. So. Okay, so there's nothing we could do at our property uphill to keep it off the driveway. Well, I mean, you can do some sort of uh, culvert or sort of some sort of block across so that it doesn't come in your driveway. You know, um, I'd have to see it to see whether or not that's feasible. Okay. But okay, just okay. one more quick question. Sure. We've never owned a well before. I would uh -huh. like to find a residential independent water tester to know yep. exactly what it is we're drinking, and I want a rather extensive test as just opposed to the basics. Yeah. Who would I call? So. Um, I would recommend, uh, when it comes to, to water and water filtration and water testing, Pelican Water is who I like. That's who I would use. Um, okay. They're, they're, a, they're a water, you know, a water treatment company, a water filtration company. So, um, and they do in-home visits, so they would come take a look at it and recommend, you know, look at your water, and if your water's fine, that uh, that you know they would tell you that, and if there's things that are in your water that are uh, that shouldn't be, then uh, then they would address how to address those things. A Pelican Water. Let me give you their number. It's. You, let me know when you're ready. You said Culligan or Pelican? Pelican. Yep. Okay. I've heard them advertised here. Yeah, they they have a, a special for our in the house show listeners. So take down this number and call this one. It's two four zero. Four zero four one again two four zero four zero four one of course area code nine zero four so okay well I was concerned about calling a water company because they're not independent and they if I called about five of them I guarantee you they'd come up with different results uh, and that's so what kind of me. Yeah, so here's what I know about Pelican is that I and I have Pelican in my own house. They were non-pressure, very I mean they literally they hooked up. Um they did a water test of mine in my house, showed it to me, uh and they were very reasonable and there were things that other people were trying to sell me that they didn't. So Pelican Water is who I would use. Otherwise, there are online, different online independent ones where you can test it yourself and hire, uh, do kits online and then send it off for testing. That's All the right, only other you. one. All right, thanks. Appreciate your call. All right, that music means I got to take a break. You're listening to In the House. Be right back. Hey, hey, welcome back. Final segment this week's In the House show. Last few minutes to get in with your calls, 340 1045. 
If you didn't get through and want to email me a question, you can do that at questions at universalroofjacks.com. And uh, if you missed the number for Pelican Water that I gave right before the break, uh, Pelican Water 2404041. Again, 2404041. Of course, area code 904. Let them know you heard it on In the House. They have a, a special, which is Radio 250, which is uh, 250 off um, uh, in-home uh, uh if you have the in-home consultation. All right, let's go to May on the south side. May, you're in the house. How can I help you? May, are you there? Line one, May. Nope. Uh, let's uh, let's see. Let's go to Jack in St. Augustine. Uh, Jack, you're in the house. How can I help you? Uh, I have a 300-foot-long driveway, which has been um, it, it, used sand and clay combination as, as the base for the driveway. Right. Uh, but I, I want to redo it. I don't want to do concrete because it's too expensive. But what would you recommend? I mean, I like I like gravel more than I like dirt. And so, you know, like... Um, so that's what I would personally do. I have a, uh, you know, I have a home in the mountains, and when I originally uh, bought it, it had a dirt driveway, and and I ended up changing it out to to be gravel. The the thing that's important is one is the, you know getting a good foundation underneath of it. I like uh, crushed concrete as a as a foundation, uh, gravel as a foundation. It's just it's not going to. Uh, to move as much when you get water. So I personally like gravel. It's between the cost of what, you know, dirt would be and what concrete would be. So that's what I would that's what I would naturally do. Now what what kind is there a special kind of gravel you would use? No, I mean, you look at the availability of, of where you are. So what I used in, in my mountain house would obviously be different than what we would use, uh, you know, down here in, you know, in the Jacksonville area. So, no, I would just, uh, you know, when you get the quote uh, from the guy, see what it is that they recommend. But I like, you know, I like gravel. And then whenever I do any sort of home improvement, well, the things that I always do is I always get a couple different options and I get specific about, you know, what it is that they use and what they do to compact and all of those things and then get a quote from each one and then just see which guys uh, you think is going to do the best job and then just let them know your concerns and then obviously cost is one of those things right i mean cost is is certainly one of the things that you address so thanks jack yeah. good good luck with that all right let's uh, we've you. got we got may back let's try may before we at the end of the show may how are you thank you so much can you hear me now yep i sure can Okay, so we bought a house about a month ago. It's two-story. The bottom is blocked. The top is siding. Mm -hmm. Before we bought it, the previous homeowners had to replace some of the um, boards because mm -hmm. of wood rot. Right. What's left is not in the greatest shape, so we know we have to replace it. But a new problem we found once we were in the house is that there's absolutely no insulation on that top floor. And it's extremely, extremely hot. So my question is, when we replace the siding, is there a way to put insulation in at that time? Or do we have to do it from the inside of the house? Uh, what type of siding? It's wood siding, right? Is that yeah. And okay, they replaced so it with the one that's not wood, but like the pieces they did. Yeah. But it's just a few scattered pieces here and there. Yeah, so it's hardy board more 